within these walls, just like facts have no place within organized religion. Michael Graff. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, you have got to be kidding, sir. First you think of an idea that has already been done. And then you give it a title that nobody could possibly like. The Michael Graff Show. Eyes a kite, everybody. Goofballs. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. I see. Pretend nothing has happened and hope everything turns out all right in the morning. Just a thought, sir. I've considered that. Warning. The following broadcast is presented without the use of talking points, blatant hypocrisy, or Kool-Aid. You know, it's bad when this guy has to become the voice of reason. It's the return of the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. How to succeed in the radio business. All right, let's see. Line of cocaine and a bunch of meth? Check. All right, uh, get several women pregnant and then leave them all and never pay a cent in child support? Check. Go out on the streets, lose everything. Walk around, have have a decent radio voice. Check, check, check. <clears throat> and just generally be a real douche. Oh, and, and uh, accrue a criminal record. That's how you succeed in this business nowadays, evidently. Hey, uh, welcome in. It's another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show. And it is Wednesday, January 12th, 2011. Contact information for the program, mike at kmgx.com. That is our email address. It is mike at kmgx.com. Also, that is our PayPal address. For your generous monetary contributions to this program, Mike at KMGX.com. The hub for everything Michael Graff related, how you can get all of our contact information, donate to us everything else, post, interact with the show. You can do it all through the one and only MichaelGraff.com. While you're there, you can check out, uh, we've been busy, uh, myself and the goddess of web. Uh, the website got us. We have been working very diligently to uh, get all the old shows backlogged and uh, get the site all up and going and add new features. We're even looking for suggestions from the audience for new features for the for the site as well. So you can go and check it out for yourself. We're, we're getting it all up and current. It's the one and only MichaelGroff.com. Now, a real site with real content and a whole lot more to come. All right. Man, this story, this story about the homeless golden voice radio guy just gets weirder and weirder every day. This whole story is just, it's gotten out of hand. You know, at first, it was, I think it was a week ago yesterday, I found out about the story in the first place, and it's taken off to such a weird dynamic in only about eight days. That's just how it goes in America now. So because whenever there's any kind of like a sensation, any kind of uh, weird sort of phenomenon, any sort of uh, unusual thing, it takes off so fast and it burns out pretty quickly, too. So this guy right now, I mean, uh, the star is definitely still rising for this guy in a weird way. 
So when I first heard about the story, uh, I thought, wow, here you got a, a guy that was homeless. He had a radio career going on, but then he got into drugs and alcohol. But OK, now now a reporter found him and he's getting some job offers from, from some other places. The Cleveland Cavaliers offered him a job to be the PA announcer. And then the, uh, I guess, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese and other places, too, have offered him to be a spokesperson okay, you know, I had a bit of a scowl, but gee, I don't begrudge a homeless guy the opportunity to get some money. Uh, Certainly not, uh, especially in this economy. But okay, you know, everybody deserves a second chance. That's fine. And then it comes out that the guy has a bit of a rap sheet. And by a bit of a rap sheet, I mean he has like 20 years worth of criminal history. And you're like, hmm, all right. Well, but then you find out that the criminal history includes larceny, petty larceny, trespassing, escaping, breaking and entering, blah, blah, blah. So then you kind of go, yeah, that that kind of puts a, a bit more of a of a sour taste in your mouth regarding the story. And then the story turns even more kind of bizarre and even more sad when you find out that the guy had a family. He had a wife. He had kids. And then he walked out on them. He got with some alleged drug user. He got her pregnant. And then uh, I guess she either killed herself or ran off or something. So then he dumps that kid that he has with another woman on the first wife that he walked out on. And I don't know how many kids he has, like eight or something. He has a bunch of kids. And so he uh, then he leaves again. He's just gone. He doesn't pay a nickel in child support all this time. He's been gone for 25 years. Doesn't have anything to do with his kids. Doesn't have anything to do with his mom for a long time. She wonders what happens to him. And now they find out, you know, here he is. He emerges. He's this guy with his radio voice. But even up until like a couple of weeks ago, he's still been up to shenanigans. He's still been hanging around with a prostitute. He's been sort of uh, trespassing and just lingering about loitering, uh, maybe still stealing stuff from like a hardware store. So the whole story just keeps getting more and more sour every second. And, And the whole thing, again, it goes from a story where you kind of feel sorry for a guy and you don't begrudge a guy an opportunity. And now you're just pissed off because here's a guy that's done everything wrong. Basically, since about the age of, what, 25, this guy has done everything wrong. And here he is getting a a great chance. You talk about a golden voice. I mean, a golden rainbow over this guy's head. And it just, the whole story is just getting weirder and weirder. So now, of course, whenever a story has turned this weird, there's only one person that can save us. And that is Dr. Phil. Oh, my God. Dr. Phil has now gotten involved in the Ted Williams case, the guy with the voice. He, they've gotten involved. So Ted Williams now is uh, going to be on the Dr. Phil show. Oh, my God. And I guess he's going into rehab. So here's a guy that said he's been sober and clean for a, for a while now, for like two years. But it turns out maybe he really hasn't, of course, because he's an addict. If you've learned nothing, a basic psychology course or a basic study of human sociology will tell you that addicts always lie. Addicts lie about their addiction. They lie about whether or not they're using. They lie about their criminal record. They lie about who they associate with. They lie about everything that they possibly can. And it turns out, yeah, at first the guy says, no, I I never committed larceny. I was never involved in larceny. And then you find out, well, yeah, okay, yeah, I did some burglary a little bit, yeah. I stole stuff just so I could get more money for drugs, just so I could get my next fix. And you find out that that's been going on uh, much more recently than two years ago. 
And so the whole story is just kind of ruined. And yet there are people that still admire the guy. There are people that are still, you know, really rooting for this guy. And it's like, he's a real douche. And he's been a douche. He doesn't pay any money to his kids and child support. Walked out on his wife. Do you know how many people would kill to have a family? Do you know how many people want a family? Do you know how many people would, would love, they, they wouldn't walk out on their, I can tell you this, I wouldn't walk out on a kid. If I have a kid, I'm not walking out on it. Not going to happen. But then again, I'm not a colossal douche either. And this guy is just, it's unbelievable. And now Dr. Phil's got involved. Now, we understand. Dr. Phil gets into his serious Dr. Phil mode. Like, there's there's a couple of different Dr. Phil voices. You know, there's the Dr. Phil where he's sort of being preachy, and then there's the Dr. Phil. There's the Dr. Phil where he's getting very serious, and he gets, he says, Now, you say you've been clean and sober for the last two years, but what if we did a drug test? Would you be able to pass a drug test? Of course not. This guy would... Uh, here, this is the clip. This this will drive you insane. This is from the Dr. Phil Show. On an all-new Dr. Phil Show. You're listening to Magic 98.9. You've heard the incredible story from a homeless ex-DJ. At one point, this was your house. To an overnight sensation. I made it to Hollywood. But this isn't where the story ends. I have some serious questions because I want to help the man with the golden voice. You've been arrested a dozen times. What's the worst thing you've ever done that you didn't get caught for? I know this is going to sound terrible. I'm going to get the real story behind this overnight sensation. I've lost custody of my kids. I've lost homes. I've lost everything. You left your children. You abandoned them all. Do you, you abandon them all? See, that's the serious Dr. Phil. Is he ready for a new life? That 15 minutes is going to come to an end. What I want to do is prepare you to handle that. How do you know you're not going to take a drink or drugs? You say you've been sober for two and a half years. Could you pass a drug test right now? What will he do with his second chance? Dr. Phil, I never thought I would be given one. I just want to Second sure chance? I don't blow it. You blow this. I blow this, I die. From homeless to Hollywood. Oh, come on. I'm Ted Williams. <laughs> I love it. Second chance. What will he do with his second chance? Yeah, the guy had a second chance about, I don't know, 20 years ago. And probably his third chance was about then and his fourth and fifth. This guy is on about chance number, I don't know, 674. But fortunately, pseudo-psychologist Dr. Phil is coming into the rescue. Good old Dr. Fraud there. Well, how does that make you feel? You abandon your children. What? How does that make you feel? I... I got to tell you, this Dr. Phil, and he's going to try and have an intervention between the, this guy, the daughter, the mother, all these different people in the family, the the ex-wife, maybe. He's, he's going to get involved. The problem is the time to really have gotten involved was about 25 years ago. It's a little late now. Uh, the barn door has been open. The horse is gone. It's it's all done. All right. It's uh, it's way too late for an intervention. It's way too late to get this guy. And, uh, you know, that 15 minutes is going to be up. Yeah, the thing is, is that, um, yeah, that's going to happen too. And the, the weird thing is, the guy's voice isn't even that good. And you, you hear in this clip, his voice has gotten worse. All of a sudden, the golden voice has been downgraded to about a copper voice or a tin voice, aluminum voice. 
I don't know, man. It's just weird. And Dr. Phil, you got to love the fact that Dr. Phil has come into the rescue now. Part of me really does hope that he gets these endorsements with Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. Part of me hopes that he becomes the PA announcer for the Cleveland Cavaliers and gets all these other jobs simply for no other reason than hopefully those companies will then use the checks that they were going to pay him and give every penny to that wife of his that was the saint that took care of these kids that he had with her and that with he had with other people and that he dumped on her. That woman should be knighted. That woman is glorious. Uh, and that hopefully uh, some of that money goes, uh, even albeit very belated, hopefully all that money also goes to the kids uh, that he had and all this stuff. I, he, I hope he doesn't get a penny of it because he doesn't deserve a penny of it. Give me a break with this guy. Speaking of nutty stories, so uh, changing the conversation to a, a much darker direction. So there's more and more information every day coming about the Jared Loeffner guy, the, the shooter, the guy that shot Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords in Tucson, killed six people, injured 18 more. There's so much more coming out about this guy. First of all, uh, it does seem that he was not really a political guy. Uh, first of all, he was a registered independent. He didn't even participate in the last election. The guy was... Uh, not really uh, very well informed, clearly. Uh, you look at his his social networking sites, you look at everything, anything from the Communist Manifesto to Mein Kampf. He read all sorts of stuff. Uh, it does not appear, and, and again, I want to emphasize, we don't know this for sure, but it does not appear that he listened to talk radio and everything like that. And we have to talk about this because... All I am hearing is every single person on the radio dial pointing a finger at everybody else. This is something we talked about on the last show, and it is the rhetoric has just stepped up and continued unabated by both sides, saying that uh, blaming the other side for why this guy went crazy. And um, I have to tell you that uh, I have I have found uh, lots of evidence again if we want if we really want to castigate people if we really want to chastise people for the beliefs that they have and for the tone and the rhetoric well then we do need to point at both sides and I have examples of both sides uh, acting as about uh, as as uncivil as can possibly be I don't blame talk radio. I don't blame Rush Limbaugh or George W. Bush or Sean Hannity or Barack Obama or Randy Rhodes or any of those people for what this guy did. I'm sitting here telling you I'm blaming Jared Loeffner solely and squarely for what has occurred uh, in the uh, events of Saturday. He is the guy that did it, period. Well, what inspired him? Who the hell cares what inspired him? Really, I mean, honestly, what difference does it make now? Six people are dead, 18 people are injured. And, you know, instead of focusing all of this energy on the people that have died, on the people that have been injured, on the families, on the congresswoman, on the nation itself, rather than focusing our energy on that, people have been far too busy. Oh, I got to point the finger. I got to make sure I come out and point the finger at Sarah Palin. I got to make sure I come out and point the finger at, at Tom Hartman. I got to make sure I come out and point the finger at George W. Bush and, and Barack Obama. I mean, people, I got to point the finger at drugs. I've got to point the finger at guns. Yeah, like guns had anything to do with it. You know that you knew that was going to happen, too, by the way. You knew that right after this incident, the, the call for, well, we, this just proves we need, a, we need to bring back the assault weapons ban. We need to bring back a limits on how much ammunition you can have. These 30-round magazines, this is exactly what caused this shoot. 
Yeah, because it's the 30-round magazine's fault. I get real. This guy would have been able to get a 30-round magazine whether it was legal or not. You understand that people that want to shoot up a rally, people that want to kill people, do not have regard for the law. If they don't have regard for human life, they are not going to have regard for the laws of the land. And they are not going to have regard for what is legal, what is illegal, and they're going to get a gun any way possible. There are so many guns in this country that a guy can get a gun with. Whether it is you could you you could write a law tomorrow. Congress could pass a law. We could we could repeal the Second Amendment. We could ban all guns and order all guns to be melted down. And guess what? You know what would happen? There'd probably be even more guns on the streets than ever before. You could try and ban all guns and all the criminals are still going to get them. People that want to rob banks, people that want to shoot up political rallies, people that want to go out and and commit violent acts against other people with guns are going to do so regardless of their legality. And that is just fact. You know, you can sit here and say, well, you know, that doesn't happen in the Netherlands. Well, that's great. That's the Netherlands. Comparing the Netherlands to the United States is, and I, that's a country I just pulled that out because I heard that compared on a, on a talk show today. Comparing the Netherlands to the United States is like comparing, uh, it's kind of like comparing an orange uh, to a Lexus. I mean, there's just, you cannot even draw any kind of comparison whatsoever, aside from they are countries on the planet Earth. That's it. That is the comparison. Wow. You know what else is weird, though, from this story? And this just goes to show you what's going on. So gun sales are up 60% since this incident occurred. Well, of course they are. People are afraid that we're going to have a reactionary type of response to this. And what's going to happen is we're going to knee-jerk, try and push through tougher gun laws in this country. And maybe even in the state of Arizona. And that uh, guns are going to get banned again. Assault, there's going to be an assault weapons ban or a ban on certain magazines. So gun sales over the last several days are up 60% uh, across, um, well, I think this is here in the state of Arizona. 60% increase in gun, of course. The times that you see any kind of increase in gun sales right before a presidential election And especially if a Democrat is going to win or if Democrats sweep the House or the Senate or whatever, because the perception is that Democrats are going to have uh, tougher gun restrictions. They're going to try and push for tougher gun laws. And so gun sales always increase whenever a Democrat takes power, whenever even it doesn't even matter, even if a Republican takes power, they always increase. It just, it's natural. Whenever there's an election, for some reason, gun sales always increase. Well, whenever there's any kind of like really significant event that occurs in the United States, a sign- like for example, right after 9-11, gun sales shot through the ceiling after 9-11. People thought, okay, if a terrorist is going to be on the streets and if they're going to try and blow themselves up, I'm going to try and kill them before they're able to do so. And that was the thinking. And people didn't know what was going to happen next. So people got, uh, got their, to their guns. Um, you know, another t- after Barack Obama took office, gun sales shot up through the roof because there was all this talk about and there was uh, there was several pieces of legislation that were going to try and restrict ammunition. But those mostly died in committee before they were ever even able to get out of there. So but and after this incident, gun sales have shot up. So that's not a surprise. That is not a uh, 
Yeah, I know. Shut up. Pardon the pun. Yeah, I gotcha. But really, they have. Meanwhile, they're having a service tonight in Tucson for the victims of the shootings on Saturday. President Barack Obama speaking and uh, other people as well. And it's um, it's just a, a terrible, terrible day, terrible, terrible week or so for the state of Arizona. Wrote about this on uh, michaelgraf.com, a, a whole... Uh, it's not just these shootings that occurred that really just embarrassed this state and are just really a blight on the state. It's just a, a whole sequence of events, but obviously culminating in what happened on Saturday. So the president giving uh, his thoughts and condolences. And um, you know the really sad part of this story, the really twisted aspect of this story that we haven't even gotten into yet. And I don't even know if I want to, just because it's going to make me sick. It really is. And this is something that... Honestly, it doesn't even bring tears to my eyes. It just makes me angry. And that is this Westboro Baptist Church. We've talked about these people on the show before. These are the God hates fags people. They're the people that go to the uh, fallen soldiers funerals and they protest. Well, guess what? They're going to be attending or they're going to attempt to attend or attempt to protest the funeral of the nine-year-old girl that was killed by Jared Loeffner on Saturday. They're going to attend because uh, they say that uh, she's Catholic and that Catholicism is a cult religion and that it is inherently evil. It's against God's way. And, uh, you know, these are the people that believe that everything that's happening to the United States is because of our tolerance for homosexuality, our tolerance for other people, for uh, for other religions, for other points of view, uh, for, I don't know, for whatever the case. Uh, that's that's their sort of weird uh, stated position. I don't really understand it, but uh, I've even, you know, what's weird is uh, years ago I put in a call to that Westboro Baptist Church. We tried to get those people on the air. And uh, I know they'll they'll come on these different shows. They they're not they're generally not shy about coming on a radio show. They'll generally do it. If you ask them to come on, they will uh, more often than not, they will come on to the, to radio shows to to talk about this stuff because they want to espouse their whacked out opinion. And it is. It's not even whacked out. It's beyond uh I mean, protesting. So here in the state of Arizona, you know what we did? And I don't even know how I feel about this. I mean, it's good, but we had a bipartisan, a unanimous bipartisan, unprecedented unanimous bipartisan resolution here in the uh, the state legislature, uh, making it so that you cannot protest a funeral for an hour before the ceremony till an hour afterwards. Which, you know, I think everybody's initial reaction is that's good. It's it's wonderful that that's the case um, because, you know, these are just you know, terrible people and uh, they, they shouldn't be protesting. But at the same time, and I, I hate to say this because it, it makes me sick that I even have to bring this up. And it makes me sick that I, I, I and I'm not defending these Westboro Baptist people, but unfortunately, I mean, the Constitution says you have the right to protest. God, but I mean, a nine-year-old girl, you're going to protest that funeral, really? You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not putting the legislature down for passing that measure either. I guess if there's one thing that can bring uh, this country together, if there's one thing that we can have bipartisan agreement on, this is the good news. 
if we can have bipartisan agreement on one thing, it's the fact that the uh, the Westboro Baptist Church are really just a bunch of filthy, despicable human beings. And uh, so we're, you know, in this country, we have such amazing freedoms in this country that we even allow people like the Westboro Baptist Church to exist. In, in any other nation, they would not even be allowed to to gather. Maybe in Canada. Maybe. Maybe in a couple of other countries. But generally speaking, around the world, those people would be killed. Those people would be... Uh, they would be secluded. They, would, they wouldn't even be allowed to form. As soon as any government found out that they existed, they'd be snuffed out. In this country, we allow them to exist. It's just like the Ku Klux Klan. These people make the Ku Klux Klan look like choir boys, though. These people hate everybody. They do. They hate everybody except people that are part of their little Westboro Baptist Church. If you're anything other than what they are, if you're anything other than the a hardcore soup, like uber Christian, not even a God-fearing Christian, not even somebody that attends church regularly, not even somebody that tithes, not even somebody that's a Bible thumper, not even somebody that goes around knocking on doors. If you're not like super extreme and believe that all homosexuals should die, all black people, all Hispanic people, all everybody, if you don't believe that everybody that doesn't think like you do should die or be punished or live in torture or whatever, Whatever, then you're just not part of their group and you're just not radical enough for them. These people are so crazy and they have justifications, so they say, in their Bible and they are such reprehensible people to protest a nine-year-old girl's funeral. I just, oh. I mean, it does. It literally, as I'm telling you this, my stomach hurts. It really does make me sick. I'd love to have one of these people on the show though. We made the call years ago. We made a call to try and get these people on. I don't know. This is probably about five, six, seven years ago. I tried to get these people to come on the show with me. And I think they would. I have a feeling they would. As long as I at least allowed them a little bit of time to spew their garbage and their nonsense. But I would just, I wouldn't even want to hang up on them. I would just want to sit on the phone and scream at them. Which I know is totally non-productive and really isn't very professional. But it doesn't matter. I mean, at that point, screw professionalism. I would just like to yell at these people and just say, what, what the hell's wrong with you? What the hell, what, what kind of belief system do you have where you go and you protest a soldier who gave his life for this country and is now dead? What, what does that say? You go and, and protest in front of that family because what? Uh, you think that the war is wrong? They don't even protest because they think the war is wrong. They protest because... They believe that we're getting our just desserts for supporting homosexuality or supporting deviant behavior in this country or allowing Paris Hilton to exist or whatever it is that they believe. Who even knows? Who can even keep track? So whacked out. All these people, so insane. All right, so that's the disgusting Westboro Baptist Church. The uh, Those people, that's gross. All right, so uh, we got a lot of other stuff to get into on the show. I uh, guess looks like we have a... Uh, We've been talking about this, you know, the 2012 election. Uh, election coverage going to be starting soon enough. Oh, my God. Uh, presidential election coverage. Not not another year of that. I might have to take a year off from the podcast. <laughs> the website goddess would kill me if I did that, though. So, so I can't. But I just don't look forward to doing an entire year of uh, pre-presidential election coverage. No. All right. Anyway. But guess who could be running, very likely could be running for president in 2012 as a Republican. I don't know if you've heard about this yet, but 
a major name, kind of out of the blue, kind of, running for uh, office potentially on the Republican side. And you know what? Even though I've said some uh, choice, I've had some choice words about this particular individual before. Uh, I I heard an interview with this person today and uh, some of their points of view. And I have to tell you, I'm sort of in agreement. I'm sort of on the same page with the guy. Sort of on the same page. I I kind of am uh, liking what he has to say. So we'll get into that in just a few minutes. Also, um, you know, the talk is that the rhetoric on the right is just gotten way out of hand and, and conservative talk radio is to blame for what happened. And I just want to say that there's plenty of evidence on both sides that um, that there's just there's a lot of uh, hate talk, if you will. There's a lot of sort of angry talk on both sides of the aisle. And I know the talking point now is if you say that there's a lot of uh, negative talk on both sides, that just means you're conservative and you're wrong, too. You know, I'm not some Kool-Aid drinking Republican. That's for damn sure. But I'm just going to point out, I'm just going to play for you some audio and read for you uh, some of the things that have been said um, just to illustrate this point further, that it's not just the right wing. It's not just the left wing. It's everybody. Got some evidence of that coming up with some great audio clips from some of the angriest people that you'll ever get in contact with. And... uh, and a whole lot more, too. We've got the Michael Graff Show stupid news file, including a guy, uh, again, in light of everything that's happened, uh, I, I even hate to bring up this story, but a guy gets shot in the head and survives, um, but for a really weird reason, a really weird circumstance. We got that. And a lot of other news and a lot of other stuff and some comments from listeners and all sorts of other things too. All right, don't go anywhere. It's the zip code famous Michael Grav show. We'll be back. You're listening to the Michael Grav show. MichaelGrav.com. Number two, the zip code famous Michael Grav show on a Wednesday, January 12th, 2010, 2011, 20. Ah, see, I did it. 
January 12, 2011. It is uh, Howard Stern's birthday today. Also uh, having a birthday today, Rush Limbaugh. I just find it, I find it just funny that Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern share the same birthday. I'm sure that Howard probably doesn't find that very funny. And this Jared Loftner story is absolutely crazy. There's just more and more stuff that comes out every day about this this cat. Um, it, it's it's just it's incredible. All the new information, like every day. First of all. I guess his mom is a pretty good guy. His dad is just a real douchebag and just sort of like the terror of the neighborhood. They don't like him. Uh, so the FBI went to try and investigate his uh, his house. And uh, it's uh, the FBI went there and, and the dad, the father there, uh, boarded it up. He had, he had the house all boarded up so the feds couldn't even get in. They had to like knock it down and everything. So then they finally issued a statement. The family issued a statement saying that, you know, we just feel terrible for the tragedy and, you know, but please, could you just leave us alone? I mean, the media has been beating down the the door of the parents there. And and that is kind of weird. Like, why why involve them? I mean, haven't they? I mean, I, I get it. You want to ask them questions. You want to see what they knew or what they had. But I mean, come on. Uh, we all know this 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 kid is whacked out far beyond any parenting or lack of parenting that could have gone on. This guy had a collection of skulls in the backyard. You know, this, this, he had a collection of skulls. One of them was like a, 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 a they believe was like the family dog's uh, skull. He had that out in his backyard. The warning signs were all there. He would stare into the house of this woman for, uh, for like a half hour to an hour at a time. Finally, the police had to be called. He's just crazy. He is just a complete and utter lunatic this guy is is mental he is nuttier than a pecan log and um and again i I maintain he is never ever ever going to do life in prison he is going to somehow they're going to find a way to find him not guilty by reason of insanity he will go to a mental institution he will be there for a while and just like such greats as John Hinckley Jr. and Dennis Sweeney and others. He's going to just sit in a mental institution for a while and eventually he'll get out on furloughs. I'm sorry that is a very pessimistic view of of the system, but it's just it's based on history. And I really think that's what's going to go on. I, this this guy is just so mental, though. There's so much like this YouTube and all this other stuff. Ugh. This guy's crazy. It's MySpace page. Speaking of MySpace, I just have to mention this real fast. Speaking of MySpace, you know Rupert Murdoch, uh, News Corp bought. Um, I, I, that's that, that's the company, right? News Corp. Yeah, they bought uh, that MySpace for over five hundred million dollars a couple of years ago. They 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 got into a bidding war with um, some folks at CBS, uh, Viacom. Viacom almost bought as bad as as it was for CBS the last several years. They almost wound up buying MySpace. Boy, you talk about dodging the bullet. People got fired over at Viacom because they were unable to close the deal to to buy MySpace, and now they they look like geniuses. Because what happened was uh, Rupert Murdoch and News Corp they bought MySpace, and of course the value of that site's just gone in the toilet. Nobody uses it anymore. 
It was a fad like anything else. And eventually something will come along and replace Facebook. It's like, I think sooner or later, maybe one day something will come along and replace Google. Who knows? You know, anything on the internet, there's, uh, there's very few things that will last forever. But I just wonder. I wonder what's going to come along and replace it. But fi- over 500, did I say, I, I can't remember. I think it was, maybe it was, I don't know. I didn't even know how much money they spent for it. But it was an insane amount of money, like $500 million. $545 million, I think, actually. And now the thing is worth like, uh, I think it's worth like $82. <laughs> michaelgraf.com is definitely worth more than myspace it is to me anyway michaelgraf.com I, I must plug that that's where you can go and uh you know check out what we're going what we're doing over there my site is way better than myspace first of all myspace is lame anyway they could never really get that site it was always so complicated not that i really like uh, the the facebook um experience necessarily i mean it, it to me it's it's kind of complex but i don't know i well i just don't like the i just don't like it it's kind of kludgy to me personally just because of my eyesight it's it's a little bit hard for me to navigate it's better it's better than myspace though Boy, that site, boy, they, they just could never figure out how to get that thing to take off. They had it all, and they could have had it, but I don't know. Whatever. Stupid. This is weird. So I have to tell you, I'm, I'm getting really, really tired of turning on the talk radio circuits here and hearing the same rhetoric being thrown around and the finger pointing that's going on from the right and the left. I'm so tired of hearing Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh and these guys on the right that are blaming drugs and liberalism and the media for the reason that this guy, Jared Loeffner, decided to go nuts and shoot everything. And on the other side, I'm so tired of hearing Randy Rhodes and the callers to her show and Tom Hartman and the callers to his show and everybody else blaming guns and uh, magazines and the gun laws in Arizona and so-called gun nuts, conservatives, conservative talk radio, the media, everything else, uh, George Bush, whatever. They're demonizing everybody else. They're pointing the finger at everybody else. And then they have the odd the unmitigated gall to say that all of the hate speech that goes on comes from the right. That's what they say. They say, oh, it all comes from the right. It is fueled by the right. The, right, the only people that are, that are out there that are spewing the hate speech are people on the right, the conservatives. Well, I'm telling you it's coming from both sides. I'm telling you this right now. We have plenty of examples, by the way, uh, so just in the face of Tom Hartman and Randy Rhodes and the people on the left, let me let me give you some examples of your own kind, your own so-called progressives. We'll start before we go to the audio. Let's start with a uh, former representative, one of your former representatives, a guy by the name of uh, Paul Kanjorski, Kanjorski, uh, the Democrat from Pennsylvania. Now, the last couple of days, let me let me read for you a little bit what he wrote the last couple of days. All right. This is, again, Paul Konjorski. He writes, quote, We all lose an element of freedom when security considerations distance public officials from the people. Therefore, it is incumbent on all Americans to create an atmosphere of civility and respect in which political discourse can flow freely without fear of violent confrontation. Well, that's a very nice thing to say, and that's, those are very nice sentiments from Mr. Konjorski. Uh, here's the problem. 
the the thing uh, that he said a couple of months ago while he was uh, while he was talking about um, the Florida uh, elections, the governor's race down there. Let me read for you what this same guy who's now calling for civility. Let me read for you exactly what he wrote back in October 23rd of 2010. Here's what he wrote. Quote, that's Scott down there that's running for governor in Florida. Mr. Konjorski says, quote, instead of running for governor of Florida, they ought to have him and shoot him, put him against the wall and shoot him. He stole billions of dollars from the United States government and he's running for governor of Florida. He's a millionaire and a billionaire. He's no hero. He's a damn crook. It's just we don't prosecute big crooks. That's what Mr. Konjorski said just two and a half months ago. He wrote that we ought to shoot a guy that's running for the governor of the state of Florida. We ought to put him up against the wall and shoot him. This is a Democrat that wrote that, a progressive that wrote that. He actually advocated for violence. And did I hear that brought up on a liberal talk show today? No. Of course not. So you think the rhetoric is only bad on the right? No, it's bad on both sides. Shall I continue this point? Oh, why not? So uh, we have Ed Schultz. Now, this isn't, uh, this clip isn't advocating violence. This clip, Ed Schultz just uh, advocates that you violate federal election law. We've played this on the show before. Uh, check this out. This is from January of 2010. Uh, right before the election, uh, or right before the, uh, the, the race between Scott Brown and Martha Coakley where Ed Schultz says that he would vote 10 times if he could to keep, quote, the bastards out. Listen, this is, uh, this is Ed Schultz. I, I, I tell you what, if I, if I lived in Massachusetts, I'd try to vote 10 times. I don't know if they'd let me or not, but I'd try to. Yeah, that's right. I'd cheat to keep these bastards out. I would. Because that's exactly what they are. There you go. That is Ed Schultz, progressive talk show host, liberal talk show host, and also an MSNBC host of The Ed Show, actually advocating to violate federal election law to keep the bastards out. And you're saying that it's it's only conservatives that do the hate speech, right? Keeping with the theme of it's only conservatives that do hate speech, here is liberal progressive talker Mike Malloy, probably the angriest of all of these guys. Mike Malloy, uh, in this particular clip, I believe this is a clip where he, well, let, let me see which one this is. I, I can't remember if this is one where he, where he hopes uh, Glenn Beck kills himself. I, I, there's so many Mike Malloy clips that we have here that we could play. Uh, here's one, though. And I'm hoping, I'm praying, well, I, well I, I don't pray. Well, I hope that Rush Limbaugh will choke to death on his own throat fat. I also hope that Sarah Palin will drive herself completely, completely into madness. And I think the possibility truly exists. So he hopes that Rush Limbaugh chokes to death on his own throat fat. Well, that's kind of funny. I'm, what I'm saying is, is again, that's clearly kind of, wouldn't you say that's a little bit hateful? Wouldn't you say that's a little bit angry? Wouldn't you say that maybe means we should tone it down just a little bit? The same party of people that says, let's tone it down. The same people, they're fueling it too. This 
Look, talk radio, and I, and again, I want to emphasize, I don't blame talk radio for what happened. And you know why? Because I believe in accountability. And the accountability is Jared Loeffner killed six people, wounded 18 people, acted upon his own, didn't use talk radio to do it. But if you're going to try and make the argument, sitting on your high horse on the left or the right side, that... Oh, well, we didn't have anything to do with it. Those guys did. Well, I'm trying to play you examples and show you examples, demonstrate here that it happens on both sides. Here's more of Mike Malloy. Here's more of him with the, uh, with some of this, uh, well, you know, we don't do it, but they do it. No, no, no. You both do it. And here's more of uh, examples. Here's Mike Malloy again. More hate talk from the left. You sons of bitches, I just hate you. I hate you to the depths of my soul. I will hate you when I'm dead. I will hate you a million years after I'm dead. I will still hate you. My hate will be a star in the firmament that will shine down on your Republican asses forever. That's how deep this hatred is because of what you're doing to this country. Have I said yet this hour how much I hate these people? Have I, Kathy? I haven't. I hate these people. I just... Oh my God! It's beyond hate. What's beyond hate? Loathing? What's beyond loathing? It's it's down to an atomic level with me. My my cells hate them. My DNA hates them. Wow. My RNA hates them. I I, I go down to a subatomic level. It's only the right though. Muons exist. Quarks inside my. My body. Mm -hmm. That's how how deep and abiding the hate is. It, it goes it goes to the point where I no longer exist as mm -hmm. a solid human being. All the space between the trillions of atoms that make me up, that space, that negative energy, hates them. So again, it's only the right that engages in the hate talk, right? You just came on and said that you hate Republicans down to a subatomic level. I mean, listen, listen, and this isn't like. This is this is just virulent. This is just angry. Listen to this. You sons of bitches. I just hate you. I hate you to the depths of my soul. I mean, I listen to that. If I got on the air and I said that about, if I, if I said, you sons of bitches, I hate you. I mean, come on. This And you know, this Mike Malloy, he's an old guy. He, he, um, I don't know, he kind of looks like, uh, I, I don't know, he, 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 he looks a little like Steve Howell, the guitar player in in Yes in Asia, and he he looks he looks really pretty ancient right about now. Oh, man, angry old liberal guy. Oh, but there's more of Mike Malloy. There's more. You thought that we just yeah no. Here's even more, just to illustrate the point that it's not just the right that engages in the hate talk. It took these filthy Republicans about uh, 48 hours, 72 hours to come up with the, oh, yeah, well, you know, we're getting bad phone calls, too. Yes, we are. And then this boner, this John Boner standing there, these guys created this. They created this atmosphere. They did it because Limbaugh and Beck told them to. Well, keep it up, boys. Just keep it up. Um, except for one thing. You rat bastards are going to cause another Murrah Federal Building wow. explosion. You are. And then what is Beck? Maybe at that point, Beck will do the honorable thing and blow his brains out. Wow. 
Maybe at that point, Limbaugh will do the honorable thing and just gobble up enough, enough Viagra that he becomes absolutely rigid and keels over dead. Maybe then O'Reilly will just drink a, a vat of that poison he spews out on America every night and choke to death. Because that's what's going to happen. That's what they are pushing these right-wing nutcase fringe militia jerkwads to doing. Yeah. See, that's the thing. is You don't even have to look very hard to find the angry Mike Malloy clips or any of this stuff. I could have played a hundred more of those. Where this guy gets on the air and he advocates that Glenn Beck, who is, listen, and, and believe me when I tell you, I don't sit here and and uh, defend Glenn Beck necessarily. I mean, if he says something I agree with, I'll, I'll, I'm fine with it. And And many times, you know, Glenn Beck is one of these guys who's like, you know, he used to be one of these morning zoo people. He used to be one of these wacky guys. He was on Y95 here in Phoenix many years ago. The guy was a drunk at one point in his life. He was a wacky radio show guy. And now he does a talk show. And, you know, he's found his niche. He's on Fox News. And, uh, you know, he's, he's talking about God. And he's talking about this and that. And I don't agree with a lot of things Glenn Beck does or says necessarily. But to wish that the guy would commit suicide... Especially because Mike Malloy also brings up that that uh, Glenn Beck had a lot of suicide in his family. Like somehow that's relevant. He brings the guy's family into it. He talks about he wishes that uh, Glenn Beck would commit suicide. He said this. There's about a, there's like a dozen clips of Mike Malloy on the internet talking about how he wishes that Glenn Beck would blow his brains out. I mean, the boy. So you're gonna tell me that the violent rhetoric is only on one side, huh? Really? And again, there's there's a lot more of this. You've got a, a, a guy who was an elected official advocating that we shoot uh, a candidate for governor of the state of Florida, a conservative, the conservative governor. You have a uh, you have a, a, another guy who advocates another guy on the left who advocates that we violate federal election law by voting 10 times and that he said he would cheat if he could. If he could get away with it, he would cheat to keep the bastards out. You have another guy that says he hates Republicans all the way down with every being of his existence, all the way down to a subatomic level. And you're saying that somehow, and again, not that I'm blaming, I wouldn't blame talk radio because I'm a little smarter than all of these people. I mean, no offense, no offense to Mr. Konjorski, no offense to Ed Schultz, and no offense to Mike Malloy, but I hate to tell you this, but I'm a lot smarter than you guys. I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm smarter than you, and the reason I'm smarter than you is because I'm able to assess the blame to the proper person. The only thing I'm saying is none of you have any, absolutely, you have no ground to stand on if you ever dare say Nobody has any ground to stand on if they ever say that it's just one side that engages in the hate talk. But see, people play the clips that they want. Like, for example, the people on the right will only play angry left guys. The people on the left will only play angry right guys. And I'm telling you, this is the problem with our country. We're, very, we're way too binary. Our forefathers warned against political parties. They warned against this exact same thing. And look what has happened. Look at what has happened as a result. It becomes us against them. It becomes finger pointing. And you know, 
All of this energy that we've been using to finger point, all of this energy, as I mentioned in the opening segment and I mentioned the other day, and I'm going to continue to beat this drum, all of this energy could be used to, to pour out our thoughts and our condolences and our help uh, emotionally, if not uh, monetarily or whatever, with the families of these victims who were shot, injured, killed, I mean, this could be a great rallying point for this nation. This could be a time where this nation comes together. Remember what happened after 9-11? And I don't necessarily want to compare this incident to 9-11, but it is, it, is, it is a terrorist attack in a sense. Remember for a couple of weeks following 9-11, everybody came together? Remember when President Bush stood there at, at near uh, the World Trade Center? You know, it was a cloudy, cold day in New York, and he said... You know, uh, he said, we're, we're going to find who knocked down these buildings. We're going to get them. And remember, even in Congress, there was bipartisanism. Remember that? It only lasted for like two weeks. But people in this country came together. There was a, sen- a renewed sense of patriotism. There was a renewed sort of sense of, of uh, a sort of a, just a wave that was coming over this nation. Like, you know what? You may have hit us. You may have sucker punched us in the face, but we're going to come back. We're going to be better for it. And we're grieving right now. But you know what? When we find you, when we find you people that did this to us, you will pay and we will be stronger for it. But you know what wound up happening? What wound up happening was we were stronger for like a couple of months. And then we slowly began to divide. And we were divided worse than we ever were before. The wound was cut much deeper than anyone had ever thought. And, and the, the bottom line is, is, is Osama bin Laden, well, he kind of got the last laugh, didn't he? He kind of has. Economy was injured, was badly damaged. America became divided. We became more polarized and more galvanized than ever. I mean, listen to this. Listen to this anger. Listen. You sons of bitches, I just hate you. I hate you to the depths of my soul. I will hate you when I'm dead. I will hate you a million years after I'm dead. I will still hate you. My hate will be a star in the firmament that will shine down on your Republican asses forever. That's how deep this hatred is because of what you're doing to this country. See what I mean? That is just... You know, not once have I ever come on the air and advocate... That a political figure be shot. Um, even Ahmadinejad. I don't say he should be shot. I just, I, well, I say he should be removed from power. We should go in there. We should remove the guy from power. Hell, I don't even say that anymore. I, I give up on Ahmadinejad. Because, you know, we're not going to do anything about it anyway. I, don't, I have never come on the air. In all the years I've done this show, I have never come on the air and said that we should kill any United States senator or congressman or anybody... I've never even come on the air and said, I hate liberals. I hate conservatives. I hate this. I have never come on the air and said that. I may very, just vehemently disagree with their policies. I may very well hate a policy. The fairness doctrine, for example. I may really have a, a, a strong dislike for the FCC as a body. 
but not the people that make up the FCC. They're just misguided peons who follow the the ideas of this morality compass that we seem to have in this country where everybody has to be the morality monitor. I mean, I've never gone on the air and just and done that. And, you know, maybe that's why I will never have the, the big successful radio career that some of these other people have. Maybe I'll never have that huge successful radio career. And you know why? Because I'm not that binary. In the same breath, I can advocate for a flat tax or, or a fair tax and then also advocate for the legalization of marijuana. I can take both what is thought to be a liberal and a conservative position simultaneously on two different issues. And, and, and that to many people, that's just mind blowing. They're like, you mean to tell me you ain't straight Republican or you're not straight Democrat? Well, how, how can that be? You mean to tell me you've got some ideas that is conservative and some ideas that's liberal? Yeah. Yeah, I do. You mean you one of them independent thinkers? You one of them critical thinkers? Yeah, I am, as a matter of fact. I will never come on the air and tow the party line for anybody. I'm a registered libertarian, and I certainly don't tow their party line because their party line, especially in the, its most extreme form, is whacked. Oh, we should eliminate all income tax. Okay, yeah, that's that's going to happen. That's realistic. There are people that, that believe that, though. I think that Alex Jones thinks that. Well, what we got to do is we got to eliminate all the income tax from uh, everybody. We got we got to take take down all the all the personal income tax. And nine eleven was an inside job. That's what that's that guy's whole show. If you've ever heard the Alex Jones, and I have tremendous respect for Alex Jones, I really do. I'm I'm not making that up. I'm not saying it uh, to be ironic or spiteful or anything. I have tremendous respect for the guy. But, I mean, I've heard his show, and his show is basically, it's basically this. All right, now, 9-11 was an inside job. If you look at this, uh, the Illuminati and President Obama and President Bush, they's all, they're all uh, culpable in this. You can tell Building 7 just totally fulfilled. It's was, it was it detonated. It was a controlled detonation. Uh, the, the documents is all there. It all started back in the Ulysses S. Grant administration. That's that's what that guy does. I, his whole show, 9-11 is an inside job. And uh, yeah, it's pretty much. And we ought to eliminate all personal income tax, all income tax. And again, I, the guy is pretty much a libertarian. There's no question about it. And I agree with some of the things that guy says, but not the elimination, not not 9-11 is an inside job and not uh, let's eliminate all tax. Believe me, I believe taxes should be as low as possible, but not eliminated. <laughs> Gotta love that. The libertarian philosophy. You know, and that's why, that's the, that's the reason. I will never be the success that Rush Limbaugh is. I will never be the success that Sean Hannity is because I don't toe the party line. But you know what? Maybe I will be as successful as they are. Maybe one day what will happen is people won't buy that crap anymore. People will want a guy on the radio that is advocating for them, that is advocating for their best interest. And, and I think I'm that guy. And I think there are other people like me as well that just, they have a common sense approach. You know, John Stewart sort of hit on it. Just common sense, just 
reason, rationality. Like a lot of people don't want their taxes raised, but a lot of people also want some kind of a safety net. A lot of people want some kind, they, they want social security. A lot of people want, you know, they, they, a lot of people, uh, there are people that want the legalization of marijuana. I'm sorry if you have a moral opposition to it. Moral opposition is not enough. This is not a country, we don't base ourselves on morals. Morals are an individual trait. And they are a sociological trait in a sense of, of value, but they are not, they, they are only the sort of the outline for the law. The law is the law and moral is moral. For example, it's not illegal to, well, let, let, me, let me see if I can give a, 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 good, a good example here. If you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, like if, for example, somebody at work is bothering you, maybe somebody at the office, they, they just, they sit there, they sleep around too much. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're a slut. They're an office slut. It's not illegal. Maybe it violates your sense of morals. That's fine. Can't throw somebody in jail because they're a slut. But uh, that's the thing. It's the difference between morals and law. Yeah, killing somebody is wrong, and we have made laws that say so. We don't have slut laws, though. Not yet. In some countries, they do. Some countries, they have slut laws. We don't have those because we're not living in the dark ages here in the United States. Sorry. For the most part, anyway, we're not. We're not, the, we're not part of the eye for an eye crowd. Not yet. All right, we've got to take a break, and when we come back, we'll get into it. Uh, I got to tell you, you'll never guess who's probably going to run for president. He can't officially announce his candidacy yet for a very specific reason. You'll find out who it is. And actually, I'm sort of on board with the idea of this guy running for president. I know you wouldn't think I would be uh, just because, well, frankly, again, it's somebody that I've said some... I don't want to say nasty things about, although I have questioned the this individual before on some of the things that he's had to say. But I'll tell you what, I uh, I would vote for him based on what he has said lately. All right, so uh, we've got that we will get into. And uh, what else? What else? Well, just just a lot of other stuff, too. Some stupid news we have to get to. A guy that survives a gunshot to the head for a very weird reason. And a whole lot more as well. Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. Mike at KMGX.com. That's also the PayPal address. All of our contact information, email and everything else and more. Our links to the for you can donate. Um, I, I believe I just said links for you can donate. Wow. It must be getting late. Uh, links so that uh, you can donate to this program. Um, also, slightly better grammar written in uh, uh, the blogs and the uh, posts on michaelgrav.com. Plus, you can comment on anything, any episode, past or present or future even. If you're a soothsayer, if you're one of these people, if you have uh, precognition, for example... 
and you want to comment on something I'm going to say in, in February or March or April, by all means, post that as well. It's uh, the Zip Code Famous. <laughs> it's the Zip Code Famous. Michael Graff Show will be back. Over 10 years and still ranting. It's the Zip Code Famous. Michael Graff Show. MichaelGraff.com. the zip code famous Michael Grav show. Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. AOL instant messenger Michael Grav show. The screen name that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F show on AOL instant messenger. All of our contact information, ways to donate to this program monetarily and keep us on the air and a whole lot more is available at the one, the only MichaelGroff.com. It is there that the website goddess and myself have uh, put together the uh, the exciting product that you see. It is the all-new and exciting michaelgroff.com. So, guess who is considering a presidential run in 2012? We haven't heard a whole lot of names thrown out there. Obviously, there's been talk about Sarah Palin. There's been talk about Michelle Bachman. Uh, there's been talk about uh, even Mitt Romney has uh, considered. He's sort of thrown the idea out there that maybe he'll run again in 2012. None of these are exactly great, sexy names. Obviously, Sarah Palin just, just doesn't have the electability. Michelle Bachman, I don't really think she necessarily has the electability. And uh, Mitt Romney, it's, listen, Mitt Romney seems like a nice enough guy, and he certainly has his supporters, but I don't think he's necessarily electable, especially in the context and the, under the rubric of trying to be uh, running against Barack Obama. I think it, it would require um, probably some, uh, I don't know if I'd say a miracle, but it would definitely take a lot of work to sell the nation on any of those names. However, one guy that I think would be a very interesting candidate is the Donald. Yes, Donald Trump has said that he is strongly considering running for president in 2012 as a Republican. He's a, he calls himself a very conservative Republican, and he said that maybe he would consider running. Well, he's actually given it serious consideration to running in 2012. In an interview that he did on the Sean Hannity show today, uh, Donald Trump said, among other things, that he believes that President Obama is in over his head. 
He says that he should not, the president should not meet with the president of China next week and that he definitely shouldn't uh, bow down to him much in the same way that both Obama and President Bush bowed down to the king of Saudi Arabia. We really, uh, we're getting screwed over by China, he says. He thinks that what we should do is, is we should implement a 25% tariff on all imports that come in from China. What a great idea. Something that I've only said on this program for years, but I'm totally supportive of that. You, you never, it's very rare that you hear somebody running for president that actually advocates that point. Uh, he says that by doing so, what we would do is we would give uh, companies an incentive to start moving their workers back here to the United States. Uh, he also says that um, he talks about OPEC, and this is another thing, this is another point that we've mentioned on this show many times. He thinks it's very odd that OPEC continues to just manipulate the price of oil. He believes, number one, he believes that OPEC uh, directly manipulates the price. He said it was, they, they just got too greedy a couple of years ago when the price of oil went to $150 a barrel, and that's what caused the near complete collapse of the world economy, and that's partly true. Uh, they got way too greedy, he says. He said it's really such an odd coincidence how just the other day there was a small leak in the Alaskan oil pipeline and oil got driven up by several dollars a barrel just because of that and that they control the flow of supply and demand onto the market, these OPEC nations, and that he's, he's tired of it and uh, he would immediately question them if he became the president of the United States. Uh, he also says that... Um, Let's see. He talks about jobs. He, talk, he talks about a lot of things. He, he talks about Iraq. He says that uh, we went in there. We totally messed up the uh, we totally messed up Iraq. And as soon as we leave there, the Iranians are just going to come in and take over. And they're potentially going to take over the oil fields, of course. He says that Iraq should pay us back for uh, for being over there. And uh, he talks about how, you know, it's obviously not a, a war for oil or a war for money because we didn't get either out of Iraq. We've gotten nothing except for dead soldiers. I don't know. Donald Trump, for the most part, was making uh, a lot of sense. The only part that I, I kind of disagree with when he talked about these OPEC nations driving up the price of oil. Also, the fact that we just run the printing press nonstop on our dollar is driving up the cost of everything because of course it's inflation we have inflation that just gets out of control our dollar becomes worth less and less every day but he does say if we put that 25 percent tariff on all chinese imports debt would be gone we wouldn't even have to worry about raising taxes we wouldn't have to worry about doing anything else because we would be we would be paying down our debt easily he also says that he does business with china and he says that, uh, you know, he, he likes the Chinese people, very good business people. But uh, he says that, you know, he sometimes has to buy stuff from China because it's either not manufactured here in the United States anymore because the factories have closed. Or if it is manufactured in the United States, it costs 10 times more than it does from China. Even though America makes superior products, you also have to pay a much, much higher price because of just all the factors that go into uh, the manufacturing of something here in the United States. He also talks about how uh, nations that we help in, in wartime situations should all pay us back, like South Korea. He says, why are we defending South Korea and why are we doing it for nothing? Why aren't they writing us a check? He doesn't understand that. 
I agree. I, I don't know. I, I agree completely. If we're going to be over there, if we're committing uh, tens of thousands of troops to South Korea, if we're moving around our aircraft carriers, uh, that costs a lot of money to move those things, uh, to get them in position to help uh, just in case the North Koreans decide they're going to do something crazy. And, uh, and, and you know, we are... We're just spending money over there. We're just wasting a lot of money. Donald Trump making a lot of sense here. A guy that I have criticized on this program in the past for saying some weird things. But I have to tell you, I am on board with most of what he has to say. Now, uh, the Donald goes on to say that he can't make any official announcement right now anyway, even if he wanted to, because his show, The Apprentice, uh, I believe it's what this this is, what is 11th season or something? Another season of The Apprentice is starting on March 6th, and it runs through the early part of June. And federal election laws say that if he were to declare that he's running for president, obviously uh, the NBC would then be required to give a bunch of airtime to anybody else running for president. So obviously that's not going to happen. It would be sort of a, a violation of federal election law. So he will likely make his decision, his official announcement, perhaps in June, as to whether or not he's... He says he's seriously considering running. And based on how thought out he is on these positions, again, he did an interview with Sean Hannity. He was very poignant. He was very quick with his answers. They seemed, I don't want to say rehearsed, as in contrived, but I want to say that he seemed to really know what he was talking about, and he really seemed to have an instant answer for just about everything, meaning the guy has definitely given serious consideration to running for president. And I think of all the names so far that are in and sort of just floating about on the Republican side, I think Donald Trump's name so far is certainly the most electable and certainly the most interesting of all the names. Now, look, he's a businessman. He's got billions of bucks. Um, and, you know, Mitt Romney's another guy who's a big time business guy. And uh, certainly doesn't have quite the notoriety or financial success, at least I don't think, that uh, Trump has. But we've seen these business guys come before. And I don't know if just because you're a business guy, you necessarily know how to run the United States of America. I think that it helps. I think it's important. I think especially when you're talking about negotiations with other nations, uh, business dealings, treaties, uh, that's the other thing. He talks about the the START treaty. He says, we, you know, we're getting screwed on that and we're getting screwed on treaties we signed with South Korea. But uh, I think that, and he certainly would know all that. Whether or not it's he has a, a good military strategy and, and he kind of knows his military stuff, that's a whole other thing. But then again, that's why a president has advisors. That's why you have generals out in the field. That's why you have a lot of eyes and ears on the ground all over the place. So I think maybe Donald Trump, I don't know, maybe that would be an interesting choice. It certainly would be a better and certainly a, I think, a, a more electable and sound choice than Sarah Palin. Sorry, we've been there, done that. And Michelle Bachman, probably better than... Uh, and again, I, I, Mitt Romney, a nice guy and everything, but I just don't know. I don't know how electable that guy really is. He just doesn't have the pizzazz. He just doesn't have, he's lacking the charisma. And, and Donald Trump has a certain arrogance about him, a certain poise, a certain ability to really 
in some ways get under your skin and in other ways really get his message across in a way that um, that really is biting. And, and I just think that, uh, especially if you're having a debate, let's say, between Trump and Obama, I, I mean, I think that would be, a, I, that, I would pay to see, that would be a great debate. I would love to see it. And Trump didn't necessarily have anything bad to say about Obama. He just said the guy's kind of over his head. He said, Obama seems like a nice man who wants to do the right thing. But, you know, it, it's just, there's just way too many things going on. Way too much. So he makes the points there. Um, here's something. This is some commentary about where the United States is going. We talk about the obesity rate in this country all the time and how a health care system, a universal health care system would just, it would have to deal with the overwhelming amount of fat people in this country. Well, to illustrate that point even further, um, Boston's emergency medical services this month will begin deploying an ambulance equipped with a hydraulic lift to ease transport of the heaviest patients. The ambulance retrofitting, which cost about $12,000, uh, bears testament to the increase in uh, morbidly obese patients and the wrenched backs and necks sustained by emergency medical technicians and paramedics uh, straining to lift them. Most weeks, Boston Rescue crews ferry two to four patients weighing at least 450 pounds with a 300 pound patient it's not too bad or even a 400 pound said jose uh archila a boston ems captain but to be honest with you with a 500 600 700 pound patient it's just too much for you the vehicle, which at first glance doesn't appear different from the trucks uh, routinely uh, plying the city roads, also carries a, a stretcher capable of shouldering 850 pounds. The stretcher costs $8,000. See, this is the thing. Our, our uh, EMTs, our ambulances have to be specially made now because people are so fat. This is how it's getting in this country. People just can't say no to that Wendy's, I got to tell you. The ambulance is the latest piece of medical equipment to be adapted for transporting and treating extremely overweight patients, a population that rose 75% nationally from 2000 to 2005. Already in Boston hospitals, the beds are bigger, and so are the wheelchairs and sometimes even the hallways. Quote, I'm not surprised that the EMTs are seeing this Firsthand, said Dr. Caroline Agovian, who is the director of Nutrition and Weight Management Center at Boston Medical Center. Quote, they're going to be seeing this more than anybody else. Russ Smith, a Worcester paramedic, sees it regularly and uh, says that he has an aching back to prove it. This guy displaced two vertebrae because he was carrying a bunch of fatsos around. Can you imagine you have these people that weigh 500? I always ask this. How do you ever get to weigh like 700 pounds or more? How does that ever even happen? Like, okay, maybe when you get to like 300 pounds, don't you like say to yourself, you know what? 
I have gotten way out of control with my weight. I am just getting too fat. It's, it's unbelievable. I have to stop. But no, you keep going. So maybe, maybe you say, all right, you get to 350 pounds and you go, okay, it's enough with the Twinkies. It's enough with the Ho-Hos. It's enough with the ring dings. It's enough with the snack cakes. It's enough with the pies and the chips and the ice cream and the Oreos and uh, everything else. It's enough with the, with the pasta and the meatballs and the pizza and the French fries and the hamburgers. It's enough already. I got to stop. I got to just mix in a salad or I got to just not eat for like six weeks. I mean, it's just too much. And then you get to 400 pounds and you have that same talk with yourself. I mean, at what point? Like, how do you just not stop yourself at some point? How do you not? I don't get how somebody can ever weigh 700 pounds. 800 pounds, 1,000 pounds. And a true medical mystery here. This is, this is an insane story. An Italian man has astonished doctors by sneezing out a bullet through his nose after being shot in the head. Darko Sangermano, 28, had been taken to a hospital in Naples for emergency treatment after being hit by a stray bullet during New Year's Eve celebrations. The bullet passed behind his right ear and lodged in his nostril, but miraculously did no serious damage. He's expected to make a full recovery, doctors say. Mr. Sangermano had uh, spent New Year's Eve with his girlfriend in Naples. As the city's sky exploded with traditional celebrations of fireworks, firecrackers, and the occasional high-spirited blast of firearms, he was wandering the streets when a stray 22 caliber bullet struck him in the side of the head behind his right eye. Bleeding heavily, he was rushed to the hospital. But while he was waiting for doctors, he sneezed and the bullet popped out of his right nostril. Oh my God. Doctors say it had been slowed down when it hit his skull, which almost certainly saved his uh, sight as well as his life. Mr. Sangermano is expected to undergo laser surgery on his right eye's damaged retina. But otherwise, he's expected to make a full recovery. You believe that? Guy took a bullet. Again, these nut jobs that go out there on New Year's. And I know here in Phoenix, you know, it sounds like Tikrit outside. It sounds like Baghdad. People fire off weapons. It's not as bad as it used to be, actually. I mean, now I'm being a bit melodramatic, although it used to be that bad. It used to be... Probably about 10 years ago or so, it was, you'd go out there on New Year's Eve and the clock would hit midnight and it sounded literally like the streets of Baghdad uh, in March of 2003. It sounded like, uh, like, yeah, like to Crete, yeah, name, name your, name your city. It really didn't matter. It, it sounded horrible. It was a war zone out there. You had machine guns going off, you had pistols, shotguns. And, of course, fireworks, which, again, were illegal for the most part, too. Uh, people firing off bottle rockets, people, you know, just everywhere. There was projectiles going all over the place. And uh, that kind of slowed down a little bit when a girl who was talking on her cell phone just after midnight, a falling bullet hit her in the head and killed her. So that kind of slowed down that party. But otherwise, um, yeah, it's just it's crazy. But that is the most unbelievable story. A guy gets a guy gets hit by a falling bullet in his head, survives, is is perfectly fine, and uh, sneezes it out. 
All right, well, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show. AOL Instant Messenger. You can always donate to us on PayPal. Again, that address, Mike at KMGX.com. All of our contact information, including information on current and past shows about myself, about this program, and anything else you could possibly ever want, is available to you at the one, the only, MichaelGraff.com. While you're there, uh, do participate. Do post some comments on these shows, current and past. Certainly appreciate that. Have any questions, any suggestions, anything you'd like to see on the site? Certainly you can pass that along. Love to hear from you. It's been a... Uh, it's, this seems like... This show seems like it's gone on for like six hours. I don't know. Maybe I'm just tired. I know. Normally, I... Uh, I don't know. I've actually slept a little bit better the last uh, few days. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm having better dreams. More interesting dreams, that's for sure. I'd say better. Definitely. But, um... I don't know. I'm still wondering how you get to be like 700 pounds. I had a friend years ago. I had a friend who was like 400 pounds. But again, this guy, you talk about pounding down the food. This guy would eat 24-7. This guy would just never stop eating. I've never seen a person that could throw down so much food. All right, we're back next time. See you for another edition. We, we've got to get to the pop chart later this week also. Of course, we've neglected that. Got to check out what's been going on in the pop chart here in 2011. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Thank you to the uh, to the website goddess, my beloved Hillary Fox. Uh, thanks to me, because without me, this show wouldn't be possible. I guess I have to thank my mom and dad for you know the egg and sperm donation also. All right, we'll see you next time. Have a great night, everybody.